Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 385. This is your guide to the geek side. And before we begin, you can find all of our wonderful podcasts on secretfriendsunite.com and also on the Secret Friends Unite network uh rss feed which is available on all podcasts around the galaxy all of our shows all about video games geek culture star wars star trek are all there so rather than get one get all of them and it's, also it's, we're on youtube it's like potato chips oh and it's like potato chips with uh cheese it's there's the youtube is cheese it's there you go absolutely and we're on youtube we have our own custom url so all of our faces are there and you know what? You might see some cool things in the background. Eric may have something, you know, a prop he wants to share in the show. And that leads us into our introductions. I am Todd Oxtra, your host, joined by Charlie Carden. What's up? You Obviously, YouTubers, you see my background. Recently, got a new piece of art right here. Always trying to showcase this bit right here. So yes, YouTube, YouTube, plug, 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 YouTube. And we are joined by a very special guest, a professional in the media. That is Mr. Eric Zane. Well, if by professional you mean uh, gets fired from every job he's ever had, then I guess so. Such a professional. This was the guy who taught me, because Eric and I, we worked together a number of years ago. He's the guy who taught me the expression, on the beach means you are unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Yes, yes. Well, so, awesome. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry. Well, thanks I for joining. Mean, I, I didn't mean to step on you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Um, and uh, I've heard so much about the show shows that you guys do. And I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And you had, you know, when you were doing your uh, older career uh, before uh-huh. you moved on to, yep. you know, doing professional broadcasting on your own, uh, self-publishing, whatever you want to call it, which is great. You and Charlie worked together, and then you had Charlie on. Charlie would come in and, and, and do like some some. He would be kind of like your resident geek expert. He showed up in cosplay one time. Yep. So, how was it like working with Charlie? Charlie, um, one of the things that stood out to me about Charlie is his attitude was always tremendous, and he was very consistent in it. I never really saw him anything other than what you see right now on the show. Um, and you know what's crazy is. Everybody was so negative at the radio station. I think there were people that didn't like him because he was so optimistic. <laughs> I was, I was. It's funny, April and I have been watching Night Court, and I'm kind of like the character of Bull Shannon in a yeah. lot of cases. Super uh-huh. positive and stuff. It's somebody that everybody dumps on because I'm such a ray of sunshine. I know it's yeah. true. Oh, it's, 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 it's legit. I we, we, we hit it off right away. Um, and it, you know, I mean, I'm here, and it didn't take much to uh, – convincing he just said hey you want to do the show it's like oh my god of course so charlie's great i love him i got nothing but good things to say about charlie and i probably eric's very kind but his very for eric was part of another uh show before he came to the station group we worked at that was syndicated nationally and i was a huge fan so i think i probably absolutely scared the shit out of him on his first day by approaching him and saying i'm such a big fan because i'm also probably nine inches taller than you are. I don't know. Like I'm a lot taller than you are. So you were looking at me like, Oh, Hey, Sasquatch. Thank you for being yes, a fan. Yes. <laughs> this, this gigantic man approaches me and he, he, he slightly fanboyed out, which, you know, uh, I actually was happy to, that he did that. You know, when you're in radio, you have an enormous ego. So if someone tells you that they like you, you got it. You, you, you know, I love that. And, but not everybody in radio, 
uh, reciprocates. I would always like try to like, hey, I really am happy that you love me so much. (laughs) Please love me. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, as Todd, as I'm sure was about to ask you, and I'll do it since I'm talking anyway. um, Anytime we have a guest on, we'd love to get the ball rolling by having them tell us what's your geek origin story? What's your background in fandom? What what what? pops your cherry as it were when it comes to geek stuff okay when i was a kid it was the incredible hulk comics and uh then that kind of went into the avengers spider-man alpha flight any if it was published i got it and uh, i still have all those uh, uh magazines to this day and um i i kind of fell out of it but it's kind of become like my thing in other realms too i have that type of passion for just about anything that I happen to start following. So, yeah, that's basically it. Awesome. And Eric, yes. you're, you're just a couple of years older than us, uh, Todd, because Todd's a year older than me. I'm probably uh, three or four years younger than you. So your reading was in Marvel was late 70s, early 80s, if I'm not mistaken, because you threw out Alpha Flight, and I thought, ah, Alpha, John Byrne, 1982. John Byrne, yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember my mom and dad used to buy comics when we would go on trips. And oh, yeah. I was uh, four, five, six, seven years old at that point. And, uh, and I still have those actual comics that they purchased for me. Richie Rich, uh, Sad Sack, um, all these <laughs> old Warner Gold Key comics. Oh, my like gosh. That. That's wild. Um, and um, I, I still have those actual comics. I, I remember reading this gigantic um, Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic. Oh, oh yeah. We the were just magazine size, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Tr- big treasure. We were just talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I had the Spider-Man Superman one, which right. event- oh, yeah. Ev- yeah. Eventually, the cover got ripped off, and I lost the comic, but had the cover, and now the cover's gone too. So I, I don't even I don't even know how that goes down like that. And you can't get the story anywhere; it doesn't exist in digital at all. So it's kind of no, no. And uh, I I sometimes look for images of it online just to like take me back, and like it, it's really fantastic um, remembering those early uh, readings when I was a kid. And then when I was old enough to be able to um, commute on a bike anywhere, I would ride to this little uh, flea market in uh, Southeast Michigan called the uh, by County flea market. And uh, there was a guy who sold titles there. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Charlie, have you ever heard of that thing? It's on Grossbeck, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, God, is it still around? I was just back. I don't know in if the, it's around. Yeah, I was just back in the area recently as for work. I'm in Metro Detroit pretty frequently. So, yeah, I don't know if it's still around, but, I mean, there's still a scattering of comic shops yeah. in the area. There's the Comics Corner in Frazier, and there's places yeah. in Gratiot. Yeah. So I would uh, I would head over there and do that deal, and uh, I I just started just a few titles, and then more and more titles. I'd get this. He'd have them all set out to the people who pick up their 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 titles, and and. Uh, those brown bags all mm-hmm. um, boarded and bagged and he sells them to me and then off I go, man. And I just couldn't stop reading. Um, and it was just uh nonstop. And then as I got older, I, I got involved in other things and it just kind of fell off, but I'm still very nostalgic about all those uh, titles. This perfect. And, t- and as Todd set up for us, that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit later on the show. Now we're going to pivot to a, <laughs> Not so classic cover that matches the episode number of our show. And that is the Mighty Avengers number 385, the era of Mike Dodato. I guess tank tops are in as a, a team Ooh. uniform and a ponytail. Oh, my God. You know, and, and I know I, I, 
I think I was, because I told you I read that whole volume one run, which I think ended right around 400. So this is really close to the end of that run. Um, but I don't remember. There's, you know, there's Thor that looks like, is that, oh, there's Crystal still with the leather jacks. But yeah, they have Hercules. He shaved his beard and yeah, started wearing tank tops. So they were really, it, it became very G.I. Joe-like at the end with the Avengers as far as kind of no sustainable, normal outfits that anybody would wear. You can always remember classic with G.I. Joe with the action figures they started, everybody wore what looked like army, you know, standard uniforms. And by the time you got to the third or fourth year, you had people wearing all kinds of crazy shit, football shirts and Hawaiian shirts. And yeah, so this is the, yeah, this is the chuckles area of who's the Hawaiian shirt guy in G.I. Joe era of the Avengers. Like, Oh my God. Um, and I don't know, I think the, is the, maybe the woman is supposed to be the black widow. Cause I know she was on the team at the time. I don't, no, and Quicksilver, whose outfit never changed. It was always the blue. Yeah, that was Stripey. Thunderstrike. There's Crystal. Thunderstrike. Uh, there's that one. Is it the Shi'ar uh, warrior woman? Yeah, there you go. Cat yeah. lady. I don't know who she is. Not Tigra. So, no. um, Eric, when you see this cover, um, what comes to mind? <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, it is so <laughs> not aesthetically pleasing. Whoever whoever decided that this looks good, it's, it's just so busy and i you know i don't know it seems like um the way that they had um i mean i'm sure this was the period but hercules is a is a mess All right, that's, God, that's a wreck just, that that is just a piece of garbage in the belt and, uh, that's a great belt <laughs> that, that, this stinks <laughs> got some chinos from the gap you know oh my a- god that that's the quote it's like uh, jay sherman is the critic it stinks oh, oh. god Yes, yeah, I, I am not a fan. I would, uh, you know, if I was reading, like, had been reading uh, the volumes before that or the issues before that, of course I'm going to get it to see what happens next. Oh, my because, gosh. You, you know, and that's that, That's why I would always read comics, because I just love the stories. But if I am like, hey, what's this? I'm not even going to pick it up. It looks like it looks so bad. <laughs> yeah, right. No. You've reversed so, you, the, you've reversed fired me from buying this issue. Forget about it. Yeah, the, the 90s were not kind to the Avengers, but they came and found better days in the 2000s. Um, but moving on from this classic cover, we move on to a classic gal. That's our modern-day news correspondent from the old days. That's Madam Web. So without further delay, Madam Web, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Web's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Web. Madam Web, I know how you are attracted to silver foxes, and we've got one this week. So Eric, plus me, if you're looking plus for me. A, if you're oh well, well new one. Uh, if you're looking for a side piece that happens to come from the Roaring Twenties, and that's 1920s, we'll hook you up. Yes, she puts the C in Cougar. Oh, my goodness. Well, first up and foremost, you know, they say it's punching down or don't kick somebody when they're down. Uh, I'm going to take the low road on this one because for the second time this year, if I'm not mistaken, the good folks at Hasbro, and I certainly don't want to put down our friend Patrick who works at Hasbro because this has nothing to do with him. He was a great dude. He was a great guest. I like him very much. But... Whomever is pitching the marketing ideas for HasLab, which is the crowdfunded 
uh, projects over at Hasbro. There have been a lot of successful ones. There was the Razor Crest, uh, not in the not in the large format, but in the smaller format for Star Wars. Uh, there's a current ongoing one for GI Joe for the six inch classified series that is the his tank which is going like i haven't checked it recently but they reached their funding in like 12 hours and they still have like a month left to go um this project is one of two i say they're o for two when it comes to star wars black series uh which is the larger format figure six inch figure um within the last 12 months the rancor was a famous failure they were asking todd was it three or four hundred dollars for that one i can't remember that ring a bell? Whoops, did we lose? It was oh. targeted at, you know, they don't even list the price anymore on the website. Yeah, 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 because they just made, but yeah, it, it, it failed to fund because really it was, in a lot of ways, it was ill-conceived. Uh, the the unlocks to it were not very exciting. They were like, here's some rocks and here's a blah, blah, here's a, here's a repackaged figure. Like nobody was going for it. Well, their most recent one has to do uh, with a uh, basically a, a cosplay item or a, a, that would be a force effects lightsaber uh, from the Obi-Wan Kenobi series for the character Reva, who's, you know, quasi controversial with all the super toxic Star Wars fans out there. But regardless, while it is a nice looking piece uh, and while lightsabers, I mean, there are many companies out there that, that manufacture them and do it very successfully. This project, which was looking for 5,000 backers within these, I'm going to assume four to six weeks period for funding only acquired 1,413 of them with a five hundred dollar price tag uh now i would i would submit to you and, and again if, if mark carabin uh who is our ho- my my co-host over on our star wars show the holocron chronicles was here uh you know we he has an affiliate link with one of the lightsaber lightsaber vendors he's going to kill me that i don't remember the name of it i have looked at those prices and they don't touch 500 bucks you just you jump in there and you buy one and it's not this this whole hullabaloo um but yeah this was um this is a big failure for them. So it makes me kind of wonder if this is something that's you know going to be ongoing for them, if they're going to be able to have a successful Black Series larger scale project. I don't know. Todd, you know, this is not your cup of tea, but certainly, oh, you know, th- their first and biggest project you and I really didn't agree on, which was the Jabba Sail Barge, which ended up being funded, but it didn't. I won the bet. I won the bet. It was, Charlie it was. and I had a bet if it would get funded. Yeah. I won because I said geeks love things like that. It was priced right. I think it was the first one. It was, yeah. Uh, of, the 12, of the 12 HasLab products that have been launched, Two, three have not been funded. So and, Rancor, and two, this yeah. lightsaber, and and Cookie Monster, Cookie which they Monster. don't exist anymore. <laughs> so yeah. Eric, uh, you may not be familiar with this, but basically these are just they're almost like Kickstarter toys yeah, that they well, get backers I, from. So I'm not yeah. sure if you're familiar with it. No, I I'm, I'm I'm picking up on all these things, and and basically for me, questions come to mind. And my first question is if a person ha- uh, puts down the money for something like this, does this go up in value? Totally. Yeah, because it, because it's a very Ken. unique item uh, that that couldn't even uh, that, that can't be acquired anywhere else. Well, then why in the world would it not be able to? I mean, that's not a I mean, it seems to me like 5000 people. There's so many people that are in love with Star Wars in the world. Well, how could this not have gotten off the ground? I'm, I'm very confused. You know, it's 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 a great and, and again, I think especially with an item like this, that it's uh, it's a competitive element uh, that, you know, you can get something similar or you can get maybe a higher quality item. Um, 
and not have to wait. Basically, when these close, you have a, a window of 12 to 18 months before you're going to have it in hand. Okay. Uh, where if I wanted this, even potentially this exact item, because it's this is not terribly dissimilar from a different style of lightsaber that was on a different program a couple of years ago. So if I went to the Mark, I'm so sorry. If I go to the affiliate link of the one that my part, our partner Mark does, I may find a, an item dramatically similar to this that I can get my hands on, you know, within a three or four week shipping period, as opposed to 18 months. So yeah, if, if someone was an investor and maybe a lot of these 1400 people who said that they wanted it, wanted to buy it as an investment that's going to double or triple in value, maybe almost immediately. Um, maybe that just wasn't enough for, you know, cosplayers like myself that want to have an item that they can, you know, wear to a Comic-Con. I don't know. That, you know that, that's my guess. Well, and and not only that, but, um, you know, if it goes up in value, I'm just uh, uh, thinking about if someone actually would want to buy like a number of these and then hang on to them. I mean, totally. that's, that's a full-on investment type of uh, scenario right there. I just, I, I just find it really interesting. Perhaps the market has gotten to a point where that's just asking too much money. And then people are going to figure that out that, right. Okay. We, we really can't go over a certain threshold. We're asking these people for money all the time. Um, they're obvious. I think maybe greed might've screwed this up for them because there's no way that the product, I mean, who knows how much it costs to make the thing. Um, it's, yeah, I, no, it's, 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 I'm sure they, they pumped up their profit margins by, Ten thousand percent, or so it would seem. You know, Todd, you you work for a for a large corporation, and you work in mm-hmm. you work in logistics. You know a lot about retail. What's your input? So it's a couple of things. So perceived value, quality of in, of the components, things like that, time and effort, people behind it. So you've got your, all your sunk costs or cogs, costs of goods sold. So okay. that's your baseline for so, just so making. That's what you. That's what you. You it costs to make it. You're. They're not a profit level yet. So right, then you've got course. marketing yet on top of that. So all these things. So when I compare, and I think part of this is this lightsaber did not appear to be that unique compared to others that are in the market. So Bingo. I think it becomes uniqueness is one part. Also, um, I, this is a new character, mm-hmm. and so there's not a lot of. I mean, you've got some people probably like the character, but it's not a heritage character, and the Correct. collectors really like probably more retro things. So it's, I think that's part of the problem. Especially in Star Wars, you know, because Star yeah. Wars is very controversial uh, and it's very, it's very divided. It's very divisive with newer offerings outside of the original trilogy. Everybody, yeah. every, so, everybody knows that if you know anything about Star Wars. So when I look at most of these has labs, most of these are unique, I would say, or something they don't make elsewhere and you haven't seen in a long time. And I was just comparing some of the things like the Marvel Legends Galactus. Um, that had 30,000. That's a lot. Right. So also scarcity is going to play out if this is going to be that big of a deal. 30,000 isn't something to like, oh, there's going to be so there's 30,000. So that's not exactly a huge like, right. they're, it's going to be unique. They're in comic, they're in they're in comic shops absolutely everywhere because, yeah, you had, absolutely. you had speculators that bought, I think you can max out at buying five items. And they're like, yeah, I could do this and flip a huge profit. But yeah, it's everything, you know, economics 101, which anybody who ever goes to college takes probably teaches you about supply and demand. Very, very basic. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, and they've hit a couple of different franchises here um, and they've gone all over the place. So it looks like, I mean, out of their numbers, and we would say this new products typically get 30% success rate. They've backed 
you know, 80% of these. So they're going to keep doing this. They're going to keep doing it because it's a cash grab. It's, it's low f- effort uh, and they can continue to make money. So I think that's the rationale for it. But once again, a lightsaber, I think they've got to pick unique uh, properties and unique toys and elements to really capture the attention. So I just think they, they, they whiffed um, on yeah. this opportunity. That's, uh, that's, that's the business. Them's are the breaks. Right. The swing and a miss. All right, Todd, next story. I know you're not thrilled about this. This is a big frowny face for you, but uh, I've known about this one for a while. And even though it is triple the price, oh, excuse me. Well, God, no, it is triple the price of what these figures are becoming. Because again, you know, your $20 six inch action figure from Hasbro used to be $19.99. It's crept up to $22, $24. Some of the specialty ones are $27. So let's just settle on $30 as being the price of a of an action figure now. For $60, this is a new thing that we're going to, people are actually going to be able to pre-order these at San Diego Comic-Con, which is coming up. Uh, actually, it'll be going on by the time you're listening to this episode at the end of next week, next Friday from when we're recording this. Uh, Hasbro at their booth there at Comic-Cons in collaboration with a company called Form Labs is going to use new 3D face scanning technology, which will be available through an app on your phone, to create a 3D rendering of your head to put on the body of a uh, character from various franchises, Avengers, Ghostbusters, Star Wars. So I don't, did they mention that here? I feel like, yes, there you go. Um, yes, exactly. So yeah, Star Wars, Marvel, et cetera, Hasbro, or uh, Ghostbusters, different franchises that they have. I'm totally going to do it because, <laughs> no, because <laughs> I, you, you will I, have yeah. 85 of these things. I, it's myself as Luke, yes. Young, old Luke, uh, Han Solo, <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, maybe, maybe tops one per franchise, but, or, but at least I'll get one because. And I, there's no Star Trek line. If there is Star Trek line, we're done. Well, exactly. <laughs> no, with the, yeah, exactly. Or simply I will take uh, one of my older Star Trek figures. I'll pull their head off. I'll glue my head back on there. There you go, Charlie figure. <laughs> That's like Toy Story. Uh, Toy yeah, Story. Exactly. <laughs> now I'm Sid from Toy Story. Um, but, you know, Todd, you're, you're not a figure collector anyway, but I know that you had some strong feelings about this, so go ahead. I, they, in the, when I've seen all of this stuff, they don't show the person next to the figure. And that's my biggest concern. It's going to kind of look like you. The, the, the 3D figures you get and the, the, the uh, technology they use to for you know to get capture the images of like uh, sports figures or action you know the people that are in the movies that is high end. Right. This is I don't think this is going to be that great. It's going to be like I think that's you or it's like when the you know when you've got those people that uh, uh, renovate like uh, classic art. And they do the things with like the sculpture and things like that. And then it's hor- horribly gone wrong. Or the right. person that sculpts the, what is it? Uh, the Sammy Sosa <laughs> sculpture. And it looks like trash. I just don't <laughs> think the tech is high enough on this one. It's going to look really good. I, I saw some of the images and like the figures have this weird, like weird smile. Like, eh. I'm like, well, yeah, you see, you, you see it right at the top of our link. There's a, there's, there, there's a two in this picture. There's two uh, Power Ranger characters, the Red Ranger and the Pink Ranger. And you have two faces that, look like they look like people admittedly um but i I will tell you that even since um the star wars black series line launch which was back in 2013 and obviously it's still cranking on you know they're turning out newer versions of established heritage characters like you know you know harrison ford is han solo or carrie fisher is princess leia that have really increased so much in quality in the last three or four years so 
You're, you're right. If you see, you know, someday you'll see me with my, here's my Charlie figure and I'll take a picture of it and I'll put it on social media. That'll be the proof in the pudding. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, so we will see just how much that works. Eric Zane, what do you think? I mean, you could, okay. you could buy them and sell them. People would want figures of you, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, please. You know, uh, you know, the whole, you remember the uh, bobblehead industry, they've, you, faces on of uh, custom people all the time right. and they 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 seem to have pulled that off but and i also don't think that to, to i mean todd's uh thing about i mean if they're going to do this they should have when you sign up for this or are interested um the ability to uh, and i don't know if they'd be willing to do this is send you a mock-up of what you would look like and like. you know what i mean right and that's yeah. And I think that if they, but I doubt that they're doing that because they're not like publicizing that. Right. Um, and so that's kind of weird. So, but if they had that ability to do that, to be able to show, Hey, this is going to be awesome. Then off you go. Right. But it kind of has the vibe of a no satisfaction guaranteed kind of vibe. Like, here you go. Well, I really don't. Yeah. Like there's no returns accepted. Well, it's a custom product and we're, you know, you, you pay and that's it, which you totally understand because you can't really return it and they're not going to resell it to somebody else. So no, no. It, it certainly does seem problematic, uh, but I'm still in. <laughs> it, could be, it could be really creepy though, too. Cause you could like, I'm going to get Eric's picture and I'm going to make <laughs> oh, a doll out of them. Oh yeah. Or make a, uh, uh, sure. uh, 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 like a, a voodoo doll. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, yes. That, that must be why you can only uh, scan your own face from the Hasbro pulse app. So that people oh, are sending in pictures. So I don't have like, Oh, I want a custom sexy figure of Todd and here is yeah. here is a slave <laughs> like lab, you know <laughs> you, can, you can do yeah so you can get like your ex-wife's face and, and then some uh Ooh, some other Charlie. person and uh, do some type no. of like uh stop gap oh god yeah <laughs> or, a, or a creepy guy who pines for his ex-girlfriend see this is this could go very wrong very, but, yeah, very um, so. yeah that's why you know, that, I, that's why they got to submit it obviously person you have to do it personally you can't just send in a picture of some weirdo yeah Although I, I mean, I would hope this does go well because this could be really cool for people. I get it. You, you like, I have a good friend of mine who is big into Power Rangers and he would love to get one for himself, his daughter, and they would just love it. But I just, I just worry that the quality control might not be there, but you know, if it works, it works. And this is going to be a very fun gift to give somebody that you know that they love something. Absolutely correct. Well, we will see. And again, uh, Todd, the next story uh, is all you talk about San Diego, but that's where the attendees are going to be able uh, to come to the Hasbro booth and, and, and kind of get this ball rolling. So we shall see. I'm fascinated, but I'm definitely I'm in. <laughs> I'm definitely in. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, and also merch. It's a op merch opportunity. So we'll see how that goes as well. Um, but what's exciting is San Diego Comic-Con is officially back. They are getting full engagement from Hollywood. This is going to be a big event. And it starts to feel like the world of geek is coming back to normal. So we've uh, got a public, uh, basically Gizmodo has shared uh, the panels that are going to be this year. And, and San Diego Comic-Con actually kicks off Thursday. So the day after you listen to this, uh, it'll have kicked off. So, but I'll tell you if you're watching it and hopefully most stuff will be online so you can watch what you're going to be expecting to see. The first one is Dra Dungeons and Dragons. The new movie with Chris Pine is going to have a huge, uh, presence there as a panel also have like so i think they're having a Dra dungeon dragons pub like a micro pub set up so that's pretty cool i like it so that's going to be thursday july 21st um at hall h from noon to one so once again that's a big movie that's going to be there um and then stop me anytime if you hear something you have more exciting uh 
comments to share. Uh, we were getting uh, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's a cartoon going to Disney nice. Plus that is again. coming out. Yeah, that panel is going to be at room 6BCF if you're there. Okay, great. <laughs> right. Your guide and your map uh, on July 21st. So that's going to be a new content for Disney Plus. The first official, well, the second official animated mm-hmm. show out of the MCU. Uh, so that'll be there. Uh, National Treasure, Edge of History, owned by Disney now, will be there. Um, a younger cast, and it's a series. This will also be July 21st at Ballroom 20. I know nothing about this. I was going to say, I don't think you need to tell people where it's going to be at because it'll be uh, uh, past prologue. But yeah, keep let's just, we should roll through. There's 26 of these, so we probably ought to just keep okay. rolling through. Well, I'm just like, I know nothing about this. So yeah. Nicolas Cage apparently is not involved, and it's a younger cast. So I don't know. Interesting. Um, interesting. Um, next, we've got uh, Apple TV will have Severance there. So apparently for season two, that's going to be uh, July 21st. It's a series I need to catch up on. Um, and Charlie, William Shatner is coming to Comic-Con. I tell uh, you, Hall 8. It's, it's only interesting if he does something crazy because he is now 80. It, no, he's 90 years old. He just turned 90 yeah. years old. So yeah. I just want to see, because he's not really acting anymore. I just want to see him do something nuts. That's that's all that would be of note to me. He still looks great, though, and he went to space at 89. I so, guess, I yeah. Mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who else, who else is going to space today? Well, I'm sure Jeff Bezos will be living on the moon when he's 90, so yippee. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and his penis rocket, yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, then we're getting uh, Amazon is bringing the Lord of the, the Rings, uh, their uh, new show that I just watched the new trailer. It looks phenomenal, at least in the way it looks, because they spent a billion dollars on it, I think. Uh, Friday, that's, that's going to be very, very good, and that's really more about Galadriel. Um, and her adventures before the Lord of the Rings. So it's a prequel, so mileage may vary if it's good or not. Nothing related to Peter Jackson? No, this is completely... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to actually get new uh, representation of all the characters. The orcs will look different than what Peter Jackson had. So th- this is really the licenses with Amazon, but it's not going to be connected to those movies. That's that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, then we're getting, uh, apparently they're making a Gremlins cartoon CG coming to HBO Max uh, July 22nd. So we'll see how that goes. Good deal. Um, uh, Then we are getting uh, Marvel Studios is having an animation panel. Uh, So we're potentially going to see more about What If, Season 2, Marvel Zombies, new X-Men and Spider-Man shows. That's on July 22nd. Cool. Um, then we have uh, Amazon is bringing Paper Girls, a show that I'm very excited about. That right. is launching, I believe, in August, and that's going to have their panel on Friday. So, Eric, if you're not familiar with Paper Girls, is, is similar like Stranger Things, set in the past, but it's it's basically four Paper Girls who encounter some aliens. So this is uh, based on a comic book that came out essentially around the same time as Stranger okay, Things excellent. by a great writer. Um, then we get the Walking Dead final episodes. Oh my goodness! Oh, is there God. anything else to say? Just yeah, we we talk about this quite frequently. Walking Dead is the uh, is the, the, the getting blood from a stone kind of show, um, but <laughs> they may have something interesting to say about what comes along. But I, I have checked out of Walking Dead a long time ago. April still watches it, so obviously, if it was really that much poison, nobody would be watching it at all. So anyway, is there anything? Is there anything worse when you can feel? The interest on a show uh, leaving your leaving your essence, right? And you like you you like you're coming to grips with. I'm going through that right now with as I'm wrapping up uh, Ozark. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, we were we we blasted through Ozark, and then we got to the part where they split the final season, 
And then we were just furious that we couldn't watch the rest of it. But then yeah. we did watch the rest of it, and now it does not cross my mind because it's just in one ear and yeah. out the other. It works I've that got way. A few more episodes to finish, and I'm uh, working on Better Call Saul, which is <laughs> oh, awesome. That's the show I need to start watching because I love Breaking Bad, but I was hesitant to start, but now it's almost ending. So I'm like, I better start before it gets spoiled. I know, I know, I know I'm digressing, but yes. I like that show better than uh, I love Breaking Bad so much, but um, I am equally in love with wow. Better Call Saul to a point where. There were moments in Breaking Bad where I'm like, this sucks. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like when mm-hmm. Skylar and Marie are talking. Oh. And, uh, so and, yep. and, and R.J. Mitty, his character, too. I, I was just it's like enough. Um, I, I need more Hank. I need more Walt. I need more, you know, whatever. Jesse, I've never experienced that with any of the characters in Better Call Saul. It is hands down my favorite show that I've ever watched in my entire life. Wow, wow. man. He, I will watch. He is, Eric has successfully jumped ahead into the next segment, but we'll pull him back. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, you're fine. No, I'm kidding. All right, let's keep it rolling, actually. What else we got? Yeah, so uh, Keanu Reeves has got his comic Berserker is going to be there. He's going to be talking more about that. Very cool. Uh, then we've got some directors talking about directing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, wow. Deadpool, the director of Deadpool, Tim Miller, Finding Nemo director, Andrew Santon, and John Wick director, Chad Stahel which is pretty cool. People have an interest mm-hmm. in understanding the craft of directing, especially in big properties like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have a Warner Brothers is going to have their theatrical panel. So more about Black Adam, Shazam, Fury of the Guards, nice. Gods. And yes, Dwayne Johnson will be there. And that is Saturday. Ooh, nice. All H. Uh, once again, HBO Max will be there, um, and they're going to be talking about uh, the Game of Thrones uh, spinoff. Right, which uh, I think that is House of the Dragon drops uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Is it July 21? I just thought I saw a piece of. Paper. I believe so. I'll have yeah. to check on that, but gotcha. uh, that could be really good, or it could be why prequels don't work. Right. Yes, um, I would say Eric. Uh, uh, classically, Todd is a prequel hater, and his logic is sound. If characters were characters were that interesting to start with, you would have met them in the beginning as opposed it's to the money grab it, it's it's money as, as opposed to being invented in the past so no Correct. nobody needs to see darth vader as a whiny teenager there's your purple <laughs> logic <laughs> yeah yeah, you're 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 not. It's not a synergy play at that point. Um, but uh, something it is is going to be there is Star Trek will be there at Hall H yes. talking about their shows and hopefully some new announcements like that uh, cool show with Michelle Yeoh that we want to hear more about. I will not. I would tell you not to hold your breath on that one. We did finally get a drop uh, date of August 25 for Lower Decks season three, which uh, we will be blasting about uh, in the coming weeks, talking about it on Code 47, our Star Trek show. Um, but yeah, I would expect we could get a date maybe for the end of Star Trek Prodigy, which is the younger focused animation program. And I'd love to hear something about a new, like you said, live action program. And it would be awesome if it was Michelle Yeoh's show, but that one has just been, hasn't been discussed in so long. So fingers crossed. Very, very cool. Then we go on to AMC. We'll be having a panel all about the new interview with a vampire series. So that's coming this fall. So that could be interesting because it's a chance. Yeah. Is that Eric Bogosian? It looks like it. Uh, okay, excellent. I'll be interested to see what his role is um, because, yeah, that I, I don't know as much about the series of books and all that except for the Tom Cruise movie and my wife loved my wife loved the Queen of the Dan movie. So that's about okay. all I know 
then we move on. Sandman. This is very exciting. Oh, yeah. uh, HBO Max. Uh, actually, this is coming Netflix, which is Sandman. It's one of my favorite comic books of all time. Being adapted, Neil Gaiman is involved in that. It's going to be a Q&A. And that will, uh, Sandman comes out later this year as well. So very excited for that. Um, then moving on really quickly, apparently uh, Dan Harmon, who created Community and Rick and Morty, he has a new show called Crepopolis. Oh, great. And it's animated with the gods, and it looks weird. So more weird animation. Yes, and likely to survive, I doubt it. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah, I, I like this. This is exciting. Uh, something at Comic-Con that is related to comic books. Oh, my God. Stop the presses. Uh, Marvel Comics' next big thing panel. Um, focusing on things related to comics, and there's not a hell of a lot more because Marvel is... I know Spider-Man is celebrating in August his 60th anniversary, 1962, uh, but Marvel has been publishing since 19... What was Marvel Comics number? It was 1939, if I'm not mistaken. So okay. that's coming up on a damn near a century, which is kind of crazy to think about. I'm sure they'll create some new numbering, Charlie. So yes. we're on oh. issue number one billion. Eric, yes. Eric oh. there's this thing called legacy numbering. Don't get us started. It's very dumb. It's very dumb. <laughs> um, it's like if you're like, hey, Eric, what podcast are you on? Well, if I did the side quest and I did this one and this one and this one didn't work out, I think I'm at 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's Why bad. not? Exactly. Uh, then next, uh, uh, Apple TV will have Mythic Quest, the cast there with one of my favorite shows on Apple TV. And they're, uh, we don't know about season three yet, but hopefully they'll be giving a sneak peek into that. Right. Um, then Marvel Studios is back, Hall H, on Saturday. And Charlie, I think we talked about this. Mm -hmm. We think this is may, where we may be getting Black Panther trailer and a bunch of new announcements right. to really tell us where we're going with Marvel Cinematic right. Universe. Because at this point, yeah, right. X-Men and Fantastic Four. Because, yeah, otherwise, Phase 4 of the MCU has been all kinds of all over the place. So let's let's look for some some unity, some focus. I hope so. 50 hours and still no clear path. Right, exactly. Uh, so that's correct. a lot. Yeah. Um, and then we're getting Chucky season two. They have a panel there. This The first season I really enjoyed quite a bit. Oh, really? Um, it's kind of neat that they made it. Yeah, they actually did a very good take on how to use Chucky in a different way within a series. I thought it was highly effective. It's on sci-fi, so it might be on Peacock now. So oh, it might okay. Be, so gotcha. It might be a service you can actually find it. I'll take it. I, 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 would take a, I would take a peek. So, oh, Todd, I know how you excited you are about this one. Yeah, well, I'm going to actually probably talk about the show next week because I want to talk about some of this. But what we do in the shadows is going to have a panel, but they are already on season four. The first two episodes already launched this week. It's a great show, and it's the one of the best shows, I think, on TV right that's, now. That's, great comedy. that's over on Hulu, is it? Is that where you can find it? It's, it's on Hulu and FX, yeah, okay. so it comes to Hulu proper if you want. But Eric, right. great, great mockumentary about vampires being followed by a, a, a basically a documentary crew. Oh, oh, fantastic! So oh, it's hilarious. Very much so, yeah. And it's made it's by great. made by the guys who uh, were involved in, I think, the IT crowd, and or at least seems to be. So it's, it has Matt. Is it, what is his name? Matt Baker. What's that guy's name? Um, yeah, Matt, I don't know Matt. Matt's last name I don't know, but it's great. There was a movie by Taika Waititi. They go. then decided let's make a, a series, but not include any of those characters, which is very funny. It, very similar. Okay. Ended up working out. Oh, Todd, this last one is perfect for our conversation in the pre-roll about. Funko Pops. Uh, Eric, I don't know where you stand with Funko Pops, but it is it, for, for geekdom and really for collectibles in general, it is kind of the lowest, easiest access thing because they are absolutely everywhere. They're super cheap. And I dare you to name a program of any kind that there's not some kind of Funko Pop related representation of. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love the fact that um, 
that that all of this, everything around collectibles and and just ha- doing fun things, I'm I'm all I've always been very, you know, appreciative that that is there. I I wish I had the time and energy to right. focus on something as fantastic as collectibles. Right. Yeah. But uh, just yeah, let I you mean, know, what, uh, what, though, Eric, if you would like it, if you'd like it, there's a Saul Goodman pop figure he's only 125 dollars oh, oh, 125 what what a you know, bargain i actually i had a long conversation with bob odenkirk Ooh. Uh, oh really yeah uh, just went back in the radio days i've like everything just about everything you focused on on this show i've got some degree of like i've you know it's back in the radio days we had the luxury of being able to talk to fantastic people over the years from uh from this just my, the favorite things i've ever watched it's been really great. It's good stuff. Awesome. Have you seen the the movie with Bob Odenkirk where he's a badass? Yes. Yeah. Great I movie. Great movie. Yeah. It was it was excellent. Dark and hilarious, and uh, I I couldn't get enough. Oh. Very good. Charlie, did you ever see that? Which one? It was uh, Bob Odenkirk, where he's basically uh, he's a milk toast, but you finally find out that he actually was a enforcer for the government. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> when, 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 when did that one come out? It came out last year. I watched it; it was great. I can't remember the name of it, but it was phenomenal. It was oh, really good. Well, I would kind of like a Breaking Bad moment. Yeah, yeah, I would totally watch that. But I, uh, yeah, t- t- tell me what it, what it's called and where I can find it, and I'll check nobody. it out. Nobody called nobody. It's called nobody because he was just a nobody in like. In, in one life, but there's another side to him where he's more, much more than a nobody. No. And that was his intention. He wanted to be a nobody. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Very Good cool. deal. All right. So San Diego Comic-Con is going on as you're listening to this program, if you listen to it right away. So tune in. I assume a lot of these panels will be featured on the YouTube. Well, they probably have a YouTube channel. I would imagine that you could subscribe Absolutely. to and then the content will magically appear to you because that's the age we live in magically appearing content. Absolutely. So Charlie, I, I love this next story because I have been kind of paying attention to this project, which is mm-hmm. Rob Zombie's making the monsters. And I did not know what he was going to do with it. Was it going to be a straight take? Was it going to be an homage? Was it going to be like, nope, I made the monsters, but I made them into real monsters and they kill people? Well, we now have an official trailer for the monsters movie. And this is a thing. And I don't know how to describe it because it looks like it was made in somebody's backyard with like low rent cameras. And ah, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, Eric, did you see this trailer? Uh, I'm looking at a still from it right now, and um, it, well, okay, I, 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 I can't necessarily pan it because it might have been done intentionally. That that is what I'm trying to figure out. Is this very is this is this approach? And Todd, you and and John and I, John, our other founding SFU member, had a long conversation about this. It, it, Rob Zombie, as far as a content creator in uh, in the film space, is very analogous to to Kevin Smith. He's reached a period of time where he's just doing what he wants. I think that commercial success is not a factor, and. Where are they going with this? Is it is it supposed to essentially be like a Ben Stiller? I remember on the old Ben Stiller show, I feel like they did a sketch that is essentially this movie. You know what I mean? Where it's just a very satirical, weird take on the monsters. Hello. Oh, I think we paused for a second. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, was he trying to be like he wanted to recreate a '60s episode and like the the really clunkiness of it? Um, 
I really don't know. Maybe when it's all put together as a thing you can watch, it'll make sense. But when I watched it, I just felt like I don't know what he's going for. I know he is a huge fan of the monsters. He talked about it with Howard Stern. He just, it was his, one of his things as a kid he loved to watch. And maybe it's, he's trying to be too faithful, similar to maybe like the, um, what was it, the, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock remake of Psycho, oh, which right. was just a shot for shot film. Right. Um, <laughs> we also saw The Watchmen, which was essentially a trying to recreate the comic exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's not why you, you capture another medium or you right. go back to property is just to make more of the same. Right. Exactly. I think though, I, I think though that when you are at a level that he's at, which he can do whatever he wants for right, exactly. his life, you can, that's when, when creative people then have that type of sway, then they start to do wild stuff. Right. And they're there. It's a risk. And I, I actually appreciate that because He'll figure it out if no one's buying it. Right. That, uh, well, maybe I, maybe I just, I better, I better dial it back just a little bit on the next project. But right. it might be fantastic. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to do something else great down the road, you know? Right. I'm going to take my swing and we'll see. So, yeah, right. like I said, right along there with Kevin Smith, who who works tirelessly. But his films are, in a lot of ways, they're kind of nonsense to me. The stuff that he's made since his heyday in the 90s. But, again, something that we're going to talk about in, in segment three of the show here. But I don't know, man. Interesting take. So very good. And yeah. Charlie, uh, the last story is this take with a grain of salt. Um, I, I think that I, I, I would struggle to believe that this was a possibility, but there's, there's a rumor and before I, I even posted this on the group and then I looked back into it, I was trying to find a source on this that would make some kind of sense, but a rumor mill out there claiming that Steven Spielberg is being courted to direct the MCU reboot of the fantastic four. And all three of us uh, are heritage lovers of Marvel Comics. Uh, right up there with the Avengers, the Fantastic Four has always been a favorite of mine. It's funny, when we had comic subscriptions as a kid, you know, I had the Spider-Man and my brother had the Fantastic Four, but I don't know that he read my Spider-Man, but I always devoured the Fantastic Four. I loved, you know, Marvel's First Family. I loved The Thing. He's one of my favorite characters. Uh, but yeah, this is something that is <clears throat> making the rounds, unfortunately, uh, was it now before you dismiss this as another bit of fabricated internet bullshit? Oh, I don't know why they put bull star shit. Wouldn't you see that? I see that. Wouldn't you star out the a, the H and the I to? I, I don't yeah, know. right. Uh, but you know, yeah. So it's, it says some reliable scoopers have reported this, and I don't know. I, I'm going to go right down there and say I find this to be highly unlikely. Uh, I don't know. I, of any comic book movie, you know, name one for me that has a Steven Spielberg or a De Palma or someone, you know, from the old, old, old guard that has directed it. Am I, am I drawn a blank? I don't think so. I mean, the closest, I mean, Richard, the Donner, closest, Richard Donner and Superman maybe, or, but really he wasn't at that class when he made it. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I can think of is Spielberg is of an age where maybe he did read Fantastic Four comics and it Could just be. captured his imagination Fantastic and he wanted to do something. Although yeah. the worry I get is he wants to make the Stan Lee version of the Fantastic Four and then we get the hokey like oh. Sam Raimi Spider-Man version and then it's just right. like, eh? Yeah, right, 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 right. So, oh boy, yeah, totally the Fantastic Four one is going to be tough because it has been, you know, the, their last effort when they made it in 2015 and that was, what's his face? Wasn't that Josh Trank? Or was he doing it and he got fired? Anyway, it was really totally just did not work out. Um, so yeah, it's it's utterly terrifying 
to think what this would be like, but I mean, we're going to find out one way or another. What? Why don't they just take the formula when they made any of the other movies that were absolutely successful and just say, do your thing, do what you're trained to do? Because they've had uh, horrible efforts in the past that no one's liked. And they're probably thinking about that in the back of their minds um, that we don't want this to happen again. Or what if it happens again? It's like, well, it's not if you quit thinking that way and just put the uh, accomplished people who know what they're doing in charge of it, you know? Truly. Yeah. But I mean, Todd, as you and I've talked about Marvel, well, especially on the Star Wars side, you've got, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, who's driving the boat, who's famous for dispatching directors who try to go rogue. So I don't know. What, what do you think? Oh, boy, I, I don't know if Kevin Feige is. I mean, I know Marvel's one thing and that's cheap, apparently, when they do their special effects, they do things like that. But I don't know if they necessarily I mean, we do know that uh, Edgar Wright pulled away from Ant-Man because of, of control. He wanted to do some things. Marvel's not happy. They wanted to play, you know, because Marvel's so focused on everything connecting. So that could trying to do that with Steven Spielberg. I don't think you can say no to Steven Spielberg, this is very even true. if you're Kevin Feige. Yeah. So the yeah. Spielberg says, I want the Fantastic Four to have her be the robot. Right. Instead of, yes, uh, sir. Uh, OK, we got you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If you, if you bring in, you know, if you bring the, the mountain to Mohammed or whatever it is, I think Mohammed's going to swing the staff. So, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. So, yeah, it would be dubious. And then what he would charge uh, for a directorial fee would would really make that, you know, that re- that that return on investment number turn in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, but Spielberg is the king of that family entertainment, the mm-hmm. Amblin brand, which right. does kind of fit the Fantastic Four if that's what you're going for. So no, it, I will wait to see. It might get legs. All right. Well, with that, uh, that's the end of the news. So it is time to uh, got to get a, get out that app to get that uh, that somewhat questionable cab, get us down to the scuzzy part of town, Nastyville. That's right. We're going to the Geek Easy, where it's time for us to talk about what we are digging. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on this week. So we'll start with Eric. So Eric, what's getting you excited? Uh, I stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, Excited and, well, I guess not really excited. Uh, Ozark, as I wind that down, I I just feel like it's limping its way to the end. That led me to talking about uh, being excited about um, uh, Better Call Saul, as that makes its way to the finish, and that is fantastic. And I I don't see, if that lets me down, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because like I indicated to you, that would be so devastating to me. And, and but there, there's no way I have so much uh, confidence in uh, in the writers of that film and the execution of it, and the unbelievable uh, star power of the people that have been putting that show out. I've seen a couple of films that I'm absolutely overjoyed with. Um, I saw Elvis. And nice. I don't know if you've talked about that yet. Oh yeah, Charlie saw it. Uh, but what's your take on it? I loved the film. I thought it was excellent. I thought that Austin Butler is an absolute superstar, and uh, and everybody. I I didn't. I I couldn't. They they really wove it in in a neat little way with these little vignettes with uh, uh, a contemporary spin on some of the music interludes that mm-hmm, led to mm-hmm. some of these these interesting pieces in it, which had it, it it had it it kind of you know it was just it was hip. It was freaking sweet. I love that. And uh, I, then I also saw what was the other movie I saw? 
wait a minute. I saw that, and then I saw Maverick. Oh, and all right. So good. That, that movie, have you talked about that yet? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. We loved it. Okay. We loved it. Yeah. I loved it, and I describe it, and I don't mean to be insulting, but it was terribly awesome. Okay? <laughs> I loved that horrible movie. It was great. Okay? Absolutely great. You must see that film. So, quick question for you. And I, we've been talking about there might be potentially a sequel in line, and I just don't know how they pull off that lightning in a bottle again because essentially they covered all the, the story beats from the first movie, wrapped those up. The only thing that was really missing was Kelly McGillis, and apparently... I don't think she's doing film anymore. So, and I don't think you can then get people excited again hearing Danger Zone for the 85th time. No, and I don't no. think there's there's already resolved relationship with 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 Rooster and things like that. I mean, what are you bringing back, Meg Ryan? I mean, I just don't know that it pans out again. Oh, we got to go back to school because you know right. you didn't learn enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it it you're right. They 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 did capture it in a fantastic way, and the whole uh, nostalgic angle of it really uh, drove people in. If they did bring Kelly McGillis back, the only interesting thing would be is that she's uh, angry that she doesn't look as good as Maverick. She, she hasn't, she hasn't aged like Tom Cruise no. has. She has. Yeah. Right. Nobody has. Nobody at six year olds yeah, looks that good. It's lack she's, of service to Zenu. That's the problem. That's right. Why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that Kelly strikes back, you know, <laughs> you know, She'd be in the sidecar versus on the back of the motorcycle. That is horribly mean. It's a horrible, mean. It's a oh, horrible mean joke. Yes. It's just a joke. That's oh, yes. that is so okay. That. But uh, yeah, no, I, Todd, as you and I were speculating, there will be a sequel to this film because they want the money. That movie is at one point. Two billion dollars globally right now. I saw Crazy. Like, wow. I saw a tweet this morning. So they're going to bring it back. I don't see it being good. I agree with you. I am uh, since that film. I am. Stone cold in love with Jennifer Connelly. Oh, I'm just gonna say it. That, has, that hasn't, hasn't changed for me since 1993 when she was in that oh. that weird movie where she was with the guy overnight. Her opportunities, in yeah, there is you go. Is? And it's trapped overnight in the Target with the kid who was uh, the guy at the yes. beginning of Pulp Fiction. You know who? Hulk smash! Yeah, Hulk smash! Exactly correct. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let me steal it away here and talk a little bit. So, Todd, you and I are going to do a little back and forth on uh, this one. But I'll, I'll go through this first one first. So, April and I have been loving um, watching, re-watching my favorite sitcom, which is Night Court, because you can find it on uh, on Amazon Prime. But last night, she's like, let's watch a movie for a change. I want to see something post-apocalypse. I'm like, all right. We're skimming through trying to find stuff. And we finally come upon, and I'd never seen these before. And it's funny, because you're talking about a reinvention of the same series that's on Netflix right now, which you said is excellent. But we found the first Resident Evil film. This was from back in 2002. Um, so we watched that and we watched the one that followed. These movies epitomize the early 2000s, unlike other things that that, that come right to mind. Um, I'm talking about the dialogue, the scripting, the lighting with the lens fair, all the slow-mo. So, Todd, this basically deals with, uh, you know, and the, the movie starts with a big intro, says the uh, the uh, Umbrella Corporation, which now I understand why I've been seeing that at Comic-Cons for years, because I'm like, what the hell is the Umbrella Corporation? But basically, the way that they paint the picture of it is basically it's Amazon. It's like they dominate media and they this and that, but they also get involved in their own employees don't know they're involved in bio research and blah, blah, blah. And so naturally being involved in bio research, 
you know, they have an accident that uh, kills people and reanimates them as zombies. And then uh, Mia Jovovich is in it. And then they've got to go back in and, you know, rescue a bit or a something or other. And lots of great explosions and headshots and people getting cut up by lasers. And there's even more of that in the second movie. They bring Mike Epps into it, you know, so that they can have a wisecracking, uh, you know, urban type and whatever it is. So. There are like eight of these, six of these movies, Todd, if I'm not mistaken. There's way too, there's, there's too many and, and they, I have not seen them all. I tried to see them all and I gave up. It is, it is 100% of the, one of these things that April and I can turn on and then I'm working on stuff for the network. She's working on stuff for her small business and it's just on. So I don't think it's possible to give this my full attention because I don't know what I would do with it if I did. But it's great background music. It's, it has aged exactly how you would have expected for your typical sci-fi thing filmed in Canada in the year 2002. There you go. Yeah, a bad video game adaptation. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly yeah. correct. So so that's that. And I know, Todd, you're going to jump in and talk about the Netflix reinvention of it. But we got the season, uh, season or probably rather series finale of Ms. Marvel over on Disney Plus uh, over in the past week. Um, and again, you know, we've been talking about this all along that it's been on. Todd, you love it. I like it fine. I'm not gaga about it. Um, but I know that we didn't, when Katie was on last week, she was not really thrilled with how it was going. I haven't really checked in with her to see what she thought of the finale. But um, Todd, what did you think? I really loved how it wrapped up. I think this show has had some weird pacing issues, the way they essentially stepped away from a superhero story, but really cleared into family history. Uh, some really, if you didn't know anything about the, the, the British partition, when India was essentially was given back their freedom and basically India and Pakistan, how it formed really cool, but still felt weird and disconnected from what they were trying to go after, which was essentially a teen dramedy superhero story. I thought this the, the the final episode nailed it. Was a lot of fun, and then they had the prerequisite. Well, now this is how we're going to tie it into the rest of the Marvel things right. at the very end. Well, yeah. So, and I love the cast. I love the cast. The the, the lead actress. This is her first role, and I've never seen it. it, it she's so natural. Right. Just totally. during. I love the cast. I really thought it was great. It was a good show that could have been better. You know, and we had, we, we, Marvel kind of continued with their flip the script because when they started it, they said, well, you know, we're, we're not going to do the character with the traditional powers with the character of Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, because she, she basically has Mr. Fantastic power. She stretches and does different stuff. But with this, they say, you know, her power is focused through uh, basically a MacGuffin, a, a, a bangle that she wears on her wrist. We then later find out, sorry about the spoilers, as we go through the powers within her, the origin of the character is that she's an inhuman, which is a longstanding, you know, Marvel offshoot. Um, and they flipped the script on this one. Todd, what did they decide to do instead of her being an inhuman? What is she now? So spoilers for everyone. Uh, her buddy Bruno, who apparently is a tech god who can do DNA testing, has Amazing. said, based, based on further review, you're different than your parents and your family. And you actually have a mutation. So mutation means a lot. But that leads us into 
potentially the gateway to say, this is the first identified mutant, which exactly. would lead into the X-Men. With, and, you know, the bit with that is that Marvel tried to, uh, Marvel had their first, you know, fart in church, as it were, with their programming with the Inhumans on ABC back in 2017, I think, or maybe sure. it was back. They tried to roll it out in IMAX. They produced 10 episodes. It was, I didn't watch it until, we didn't watch it until maybe a year ago. It was so bad because we watched the first episode on ABC. We're like, this is horrible. Uh, you know, you had Anson Mount, Captain Pike, who was Black Bolt, who had a return in the Doctor Strange and, and the Multiverse of Madness of sorts. But the show was absolutely and the worst in the worst hair ever in the worst hair ever. <laughs> so it was it was absolutely dreadful. But yeah, you know, since the Inhumans were such a failure, and now that uh, Disney absorbed Fox and they own the X Men. They have changed Kamala's origin. She was inhuman. Now she's going to be a mutant instead because that's where they want to drive the boat. So kind of shameless, but it's, yeah, it's, it was the high level. Kevin Feige really hates the inhumans. Thus, here we go. Yeah. And then we did have another stinger. And Eric, I'm not sure if you're speed or if you're going to watch this or if you care. Yeah. I mean, I, I, anything you guys talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Heck yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a short show, though. It's only six episodes. I think no episode is longer than 45 minutes. So it's very quick and easy to get out. And I think it's just, it's very charming. And um, and another, spo- I, we, we will avoid the last bits if you do want to watch it, just if you care about how these things are connecting to the the bigger Marvel universe. If you don't okay. care, we'll say it. If you don't, if you do and you want to watch it, no, we'll leave say it. There. it. Say it if you want. Well, we found out where we're going to see Miss Marvel again. And that is in the next Captain Marvel movie because she shows up and swaps, essentially swaps places with Miss Marvel. And that's how it ends. Wow. And you'll say, and they say, Miss Marvel will be seen again in the Marvels, which is a movie that's coming out in 2023. Yes, indeed. So, all right. Well, that's it for me, Todd. We'll switch gears back to talking about Resident Evil. So go for it. Yeah, so Resident Evil, we already talked about it. It's one of my favorite video game series of all time. Keeps reinventing himself. The movies were, they started off as like, okay, the first one was was entertaining. The rest of them are bad. So I'm like, and there has been, um, Robbie Mel actually was in a recent Resident Evil film that came out just six months ago. Yeah, really yeah bad it was too. definitely this yeah. year, yeah. Yeah, uh, people said that was horrible. And then there's been animated series and stuff like that. So it's a lot out there. But this this Resident Evil series that's on Netflix is pretty cool because they're doing something different. They're essentially focusing on the character character of um, uh, Wesker, which is he's like this character that's kind of like the boogeyman, kind of is involved in Umbrella, but he has his own machinations. Well, this focus this show is focused on him and his family, and he's played by Lance Reddick. And Lance Reddick is phenomenal in this role. He's very cool, and it's about him and his daughters. And essentially, he works for Umbrella. He's like um, he's like the the, the big guy umbrella and he moves his family to South Africa because they have a facility there. Well, let's put it this way. What do teens always do typically mess things up? Oh, yes, exactly. What happens. Magic. But the cool part is you essentially see two different time frames. You see them as teens with Wesker. And then you see the far future where the teens are grown up and you see kind of how the world is linked and how kind of it opens up. And this is in the spoiler. It opens up in the first scene. You see like 2034, and it's essentially saying, you know, the world's been dead for or 2036. The world has been essentially dead or, or in a bad shambles for 14 years. So it's really cool. They're basically covering two different timelines that we see it. I like it. My only complaint was I really hated the teens because they just oh, yeah. 
mouthy, uh, just trying to find some redeeming qualities. I think you finally do at the end, but um, of the first episode. But I liked it. I thought it was well done. Kind of intriguing to see where they're going to go. Um, it's it's paying homage to certain things from the games and different things. But if you have never watched or played Resident Evil, I think it's a good place to pop in. When you said teens, what do they do? Uh, and that is never listen to their parents, uh, get arrested, and do drugs. That's oh yeah, that came to mind. Good stuff. Uh, I love it. From my from my own experience, of course. Yes, and and you know what? They always know better than the adults. <laughs> always yes. Move, yes. Out, move out now while you still know everything yes and exactly. that, that, you know what that, let, let's go to 19 up to 26 oh my god <laughs> yikes what? the extended Ow. team time frame yes oh my uh, so yeah i definitely say check it out i don't know how many episodes or how good it is but it's all there so check it out it's netflix you probably have it uh but one show i highly recommend and it's a show that it's a different type of I don't know if you call it a dramedy um, because that is our flag means death. HBO max Taika Waititi partnered up with another creator to make essentially a pirate uh, pirate series where it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, Rice Derby plays as captain Steed Bonnet, who essentially is a realistic figure. He called himself the gentleman pirate who tried to be a kinder, gentler pirate in the old days. Blackbeard is involved in this and it's pretty Pretty clever, but never laugh out loud funny. So it's almost like just really, it's it's one of those series that I smile a lot, but I never like laugh out loud. Sometimes I do at occasion, but it's really entertaining. A lot of good actors in this. It's really well done. And it actually explores some of the sexual sexuality of, of people of the time. Because you think about this, all these pirate men on a ship for months, relationships oh, yeah. are going to form. And oh, they boy. kind of cover that. And it's yes, very raise, interesting. Yeah. Raise that rainbow flag right by the Jolly Roger. Ooh, the, Absolutely. The, the Absolutely. jolliest of Rogers. So, Todd, when something is not LOL, which is not an expression I ever use, and it's I smile, what, what's your acronym for that? I did, the, I did a lot of smiling during the office. I didn't find anything like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing. It's like I see what they're doing. It's clever. Right. But maybe maybe somebody else will find this laugh so out loud. Be, but I find it. Smile inside. So S-I-N. <laughs> Sin? Oh no! Oh God! No, you can't be sin. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Whatever you want to do, but I. But yeah, I, I think so. I think I think it's 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 because it's well executed. The writing's fantastic, and it's very fun. So, you, but I, I think it's well worth watching. I think there's like eight episodes. Yeah. But it's on HBO Max. HBO I don't Max. know if there'll be season two. <laughs> But where it ends, there definitely could be a second season. I, I, I and again, H, HBO Max is something everybody has or or has from time to time when something comes back on. So yeah, I want to check it out because again, it's Matt Berry, right? Isn't it Matt Berry? Yeah, that's Matt his Barry. name. His no, name no, 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 not Matt. Mary is not in this. Matt oh, Berry is not oh. in this. But but right, race derby from uh, the Concords, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, yeah, he's the lead actor. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, there's some notables you'll know. I yeah. knew it was one of those dudes. Well, I will have to I will have to tune in. Oh, well, with that, the end of our time at the Skeevy Geek Easy. Let's skip out on the tab, as we always do. But it's time to pull up that Air Qantas app. We're going to the land down under. Time for the Geek Easy to end and to get down to the Thunderdome where the mutants await. Let's go. to another edition of Thunderdome! 
Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, our topic is, since we have three gentlemen of a certain age, certain we age. decided we would say, you know, we, we often hear people talk about the good old days and lamenting things that have changed because, you know, you think what you experienced was better. It's kind of like when people say, music was better in my day. Well, I think that everybody says that because yeah. I think we all capture a music of a certain time. I think they said by the time you're 23, that's kind of when your major music influences end and right. then you move on and maybe you can hear some things. So right. similar to like media and things like that, as we grow up, the shows we watched, the things we listened to, the experiences we had and how we watched them and listened are kind of uh, part of our, 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 our DNA at this point. Eric, you talked about how you became a geek, but we kind of talked about, you know, I think what we want to talk about is the lens of what's good and bad or maybe no different in how um, what we consumed versus what we have today. Um, so I'll kind of kick it off as, you know, the different media. Do you miss physical media? Because physical media is largely becoming obsolete in many, many different areas. Music, uh, right. comics, books, uh, movies, all of those things. So what do you think? Do you miss physical media? Does it make the hobby worse or better if without it? I'll start. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> it makes it worse. Much uh, worse. <laughs> the, the idea of purchasing the actual cassette, vinyl record, or CD, it's, you know, you're, you're, you've invested time in it. You've, uh, the involvement, the whole process. And um, without that, you have an element that is no longer there. That's one less thing to be attached to. Right. And so it's it's cut and dry. That's this is a bygone era. It, it can never be. No one can like things nowadays the way we liked them back then. True that. I, uh, I broke my own rule today. Uh, we had, uh, after having brunch with my daughter and her boyfriend, we walked around the corner to Argos Bookstore place that I've collected comics since I was 10 years old in the 80s. I went came under new ownership uh -huh. earlier this year. Uh, so I went in and I met the new owner. I'm going to say his name is Roger. I had to have him tell me twice because I'm bad when people aren't wearing name tags. That's no good. Um, and I did. I picked up an old I picked up an old book because, again, it's a bookstore with some comics and he's redoing it, doing all this different stuff. I picked up a hard bound copy of this great book I'd loved in the 90s called The Nitpicker's Guide to Star Trek The Next Generation. Loved it. It probably exists on Kindle somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it's out of print, but it's awesome and I, and I would love to read it. But I also picked up the first four issues of the new Captain Peggy Carter comic that I'm going to make April read because April loves the character. But I bought a physical comic and the Marvel comics always come with the code, so I'll put it in the computer, and I assume that I can read it on Comixology. But more to the point, Todd and I both use Marvel Unlimited, which Marvel drops every piece of their new content after three months on Marvel Unlimited, and it's basically it's Netflix for Marvel. Anything that you yep. over thirty thousand yep. comics, I've been a subscriber to that for ten years. I love it. But I wanted to support a small business. You know, I wanted to say, hey, nice to meet you. Here's some money. And, you know, glad that you're here. And I told her, well, I knew the guy who owned this place. I sounded like, you know, I sounded like Kenny Rogers in that song 20 years ago when I was talking to this guy. Well, back when I was a kid, I rode my bike here. And he's like, I get, the, get the fuck out of here. My God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just. Uh, but um, but exactly. We'll read those four books and then you'll probably get a couple of more and they'll go. 
in the only comic boxes I have, which are in the back of a closet in my bedroom, and they're completely inaccessible because there's stuff in front of them, because physical media is the biggest pain in the ass. All the CDs I have left are in a box in the garage. I don't even put new music on my phone anymore. I have a subscription service, Amazon Prime Unlimited, that I use every single solitary day because I'm a music junkie. So, oh, there's nothing good about physical media in any way, shape, or form. Boo! It's it's interesting with physical media because when you grew up and you could only get so much, you could only buy so much because limited means what was available at mm-hmm. the time. You didn't have an Amazon where you could order anything across the globe. It was what was at your Kmart or what was at your Revco drugstore for comics or things right. like that. So I think physical media made a lot more because it was, it was like, this is the thing I own because I could have picked many things and I picked this. It was my heart and soul was into it, like action figures and things like that. It was what I chose with my limited means, my limited... And then you delve deep. You read the liner notes mm-hmm. of your cassette or right. your album to know out. all the lyrics and all that stuff. And it really, you, you had a connection with the things you owned. Right. Now, though, I mean, now, I mean, only reason I bought, I bought something dumb physically. It was the DVD series of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. <laughs> It's a dumb, what? It's a it's a dumb comedy, and, but I I I because Ryan Reynolds was in it. It had uh, Nathan Fillion. It was a really clever show. But guess what? It's not available anywhere. It's not streaming. It's anything. So I'm like, we, yeah, it's, I couldn't. Yeah, so exactly what we did with that 70s show, which I talked about like probably six months ago. We bought the whole set for like thirty five bucks, and it's like eight seasons because it, that's the only place it exists. Same situation. So, I mean, that's the only time I find that I, I, I miss physical media because if it's like, if I don't find that, then it becomes really hard to obtain it. And then you may have to go down dark paths like, unfortunately, the, the Justice League versus the Avengers series, which is out of print and it's no longer available digitally. And and then they were having it like on sale. It's like a hundred bucks for the four issues or the collector's decision. I'm like, at that point, it's like, there's just got to be a happy medium because you get into like rights, like things don't come back because of music. So it becomes a challenge. So that's one of those things with physical media. I'm like, there's, there's, there's pros and cons. Well, right. Th- but those, I, those are the only comics I still own. I own um, Marvel's run of uh, The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, the second comic I ever read in my life. It was between 1982 and 1985. Um, and I have that. And again, it's in that box in the back of my closet that I never look at, but it's there. But it's, it doesn't exist in trade paperback form. And it doesn't exist digitally. And that might change when that film comes out next year, but it may not change. So that's the only way I'm ever going to have it. You know, the only comics I kept were ones I knew that I was probably never going to find digitally. They were, weren't going to yeah. show up on Marvel Unlimited. So, yeah. So I want to pivot to the next part of the discussion, it, which is availability and quantity. So we can do this in two different ways. So quantity we won. Back in the bad old days, I would say, of geek culture, Anytime you saw a movie that was related to like fantasy, sci-fi, or like you were excited, regardless if it was a pile of crap or not. And but it, it was your pile of crap. And it usually was a pile of crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, you had so little. And and the opportunity to see it, I remember, you know, if something was in the movie theater, that was your one chance to see it. Right. And you didn't know when it was going to be on, what it would show up on, a syndication, and it would be edited out or something like that. So you really and then there was no way to find out. How are you going to know? There was no internet. You didn't know uh, maybe reading a fanzine or something. Oh, I heard this is going to be out. It's going to be casting for a movie. It's going to be in Starlog. I remember, it's funny you mentioned that because at the Friends of the EGR library sale a couple of years back, we went and I picked up some, 
you know, it's all donated stuff. So like some mother was cleaning out her basement and his son left behind all of these old uh, star logs or whatever. And one of them was from like 1997. It's George Lucas is now casting a new Star Wars trilogy and Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be a character and it could be like complete bullshit information. And then uh, there's going to be uh, animated characters, one of whom is named Jar Jar Binks. And everybody was, you know, <laughs> and you see how that turned out. You know what I mean? But you're right. That was right at the cusp of when, you know, in the very, very late 90s when the Internet started to be a factor. But before that, yeah, it was all Starlog and Wizard World and, you know, the Star Trek Communicator Fan Club magazine or, you know, we're talking where their fantasy like fan club magazines out there that you were aware of. Uh, not really. I mean, I really didn't pay attention to it unless it was somewhere I could find out. But I mean, this this kind of goes to the, the the level of content. And one of those things that also goes into that is because of, of the lack of content, anything you got, you memorized it, a lot more people, you know, not everybody knew about it right. because geek culture was not as far in, in leading. And you treasured thing, and if you got something, you rewatched it a billion times because there wasn't much out there. So I think that's part of our culture of geeks. We are so ingrained in like Star Wars and Star Trek because you didn't know if you're going to get more. So I'm going to absorb it and watch it all again. And I've stepped away from that now. I don't rewatch anything because there's too much stuff and there's not enough shared experiences. And I'm right. like, I'm going to miss out on the next great thing. So I've kind of gotten away from rewatching things because there's just too much. So I don't know. Is it better to have too much or less but getting deeper into it i don't know eric what i mean yeah, are you in that position? that was, was going to be my question to you eric because you were you were born in in 1970 which you already told us because you said you graduated high school in 88 so even i can do math so you were you know seven eight years old when like star wars came out what was did you have do you have a star wars tale that it's kind of um, around this topic yeah well my overall thought on this is very simple um when we absorb things in the era that we did, there was an oversaturation right. of we, you know, the, the culture was limited. We had three TV stations, so we really got into what we watched. <clears throat> Big time. Um, we, you know, we didn't have anything distracting us like a phone. We had to right. read actual comic books. So you know, we still had to fill something to, to grab onto. That's why we love that. That is how nostalgia is created. And I don't think that there's anything that can um, uh, be have that much type of attention to it because people's minds ha get too much. There's so much available. You, you were doing a podcast about all the shows that we've talked about. Oh, like, my gosh. Uh, big time. Back then. Back then. <laughs> That's why Star Wars was so magnificent because it was like the greatest thing we'd ever seen. And you had, there was nothing else that could match it in terms of storytelling for, uh, for an entire generation of people. And, and that's replicated, you right? Know? It's just incredible. So, um, the golden era was prior to the internet and devices. That's, that's it. It can never happen again. Right. Unless if we go back in time. Zombie apocalypse. Think about the, you know, well, right. it, that'll put us back to the, you know, the Bronze Age, wherever the hell it was, and and we won't be able to. That's what's always crazy about The Walking Dead. They can't ever turn the power back on, so there's never an internet again. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Right. So that's 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 my take on it. It's it's pretty much. Um, I I think that nostalgia. If you were to look at anybody who's uh, a kid right now, 
in 25 years, will they be doing a podcast about what they re- what was great to them? Of course not. Right. <laughs> they won't know because it's it's all just a blip. I don't know. Well, well, and then shared experiences, right? right. I mean, three channels, um, you know, all of the eyes were on fewer things. So you had more shared experiences, more yeah. water cooler moments. Right. And the era of, in the, that kind of, the, you know, the way, the way people consume content, some people love the binge drop uh, where it goes on day one and you get it there. And, right. and apparently this ties into learning. Cramming actually means you remember less. Right. So it actually has less of an impact on you when you binge versus something every week because you have a chance to absorb and understand. Right. And, and that's why bingeable shows prior to, I guess it would be House of Cards, were shows that already existed because right. they were already out for years. Right. But Netflix says, we'll just re- re- reproduce this. And I don't think it's catching on because Netflix is still the only one doing binging. Everybody else is doing weekly. Right, and, and because the yeah. streaming services are obviously trying to get people to stay on board uh, where there's all this talk about, oh, Netflix is suffering and they've lost this many subscribers. I think Netflix is going to be fine uh, because it's still, you know, something that everybody around the world touches in, in, in one way or another. But yeah, you're right. Hulu, Disney Plus, Peacock, uh, HBO Max, you know, those shows do come out once a week. And it's the only kind of, it, it's appointment viewing that April and I have. Todd knows that, you know, April and I are early risers because the pets get us out of bed and we're like, it's 5.15 a.m. Let's watch Obi-Wan. Let's watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds, you know. Right. So we it's still appointment viewing, but like, to your point, Eric, back in the day, or Todd, you had said water cooler moments. Everybody watched, you know, Cheers on Friday, on Thursday night. And that's what they were talking about because you were going to catch that episode again until summertime reruns, in which case nobody would be talking about it. But they still needed to sell advertising. And so it was still on. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the fact that that feeling you get when the, the show, like on AMC's uh, uh, Better Call Saul, when it ends, I'm like, oh, no, not now. That can't happen. Right. When you have that, that's a that's an element that is is so palpable. Right. And 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 you can't do it in that regard with binging it. Right. Um, so something's lost. Because and then if you know, it's great because AMC, you know, then everybody, like you said, they talk about it. Oh, did you watch Better Call Saul? You know, are you are you going to go to a chat group where people are talking about it? They're getting mileage out of it. It's it's great. That's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. It just but but it, it individualizes it to a point that'll never be. Oh, we all watched the last episode of Mash, or in the seventies, we all watched Roots. You know, when it was on because it was a it was the event of a generation. Um, but now it's like, yeah, it's a oh, I haven't watched that. Don't spoil it for me. It's like Game of Thrones. Oh, I haven't watched it. Don't spoil it for me because I worked all weekend and I haven't been able to turn it on. As opposed to no, it's on Sunday night at ten o'clock and that's it. Yeah, you can't watch it later because your your VCR didn't record it, right? Exactly. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the DVR. Yeah. Um, which leads me back to then, um, essentially, now where people are complaining about too much. And I guess the question is, I don't know if people have that, that, that point in history to say, remember when there was nothing? So I'd rather have more than nothing because mm-hmm. when there's more of it, you get – more opportunities to do better things versus this is one shot. Imagine Charlie Finn humans was the only shot Marvel got and that's all you got. Right. There'd be no, there'd be no more. Yeah. They took their shot. It's like Hamilton. They threw with their shot. Oh yeah. I usually wait until people are talking when people are talking about a show that's fantastic and I must try it. That gets me to the table. And so I like having all of those things that are out there. 
and I can pick and choose what I want. Frankly, I don't, I don't watch a lot. I have, I'm very selective at what I get into because of, uh, time constraints. I just, I just can't do it. Um, but if enough buzz hits me and I hear about it, then I'll bite. Wow. So I guess if you had your preference to grow up, would you choose to grow up in this era or when you originally did? We'll start with you, Eric. I, um, I would say the era that I grew up in because so much uh, that influenced me. I enjoy nostalgia. I enjoy um, all of those elements about the things of when I was a kid, because it was when you're young, everything is wonderment. And right. So I, it, it left a lot to the imagination and it makes me feel good. So, and I don't know if, if it could be captured, if my brain is flooded with all the things that floods a young person's brain nowadays from so many different sources yeah tiktok and youtube and reels and whatever and yeah god i'm 100 in the same place um because even as you know a 46 and a half year old as i am to look at something new and exciting and just have that sense of wonderment when i first took like seeing star wars for the first time i mean i don't remember i remember that when i was four years old my dad took my brother and i to the empire strikes back summer of 1980 I've told the story a million times. I do remember that we sat and played rock, paper, scissors because there were no trailers. And what was on the background was an out-of-focus white picket fence. That's what I remember about going. Um, And I remember when we got that movie on VHS a couple of years later because it was a fuzzy copy and whatever it is. But, you know, and I I do remember going to see episode four, the first Star Wars movie, when it was re-released in 1982. So it was those... But it captured the imagination because, again, you're young and and it was a thing that was standalone. It was a moment in time. And so, yeah, I find it really hard to, to with so much content out there presented in so many different ways with everybody with a phone in their hand that anybody that anything can really hold a special place in the heart. I mean, I even see that with my kids, you know, my daughter, my stepdaughter, April, will tell me that when she, she was born in 1994, Toy Story came out in 1995. So April buys this cassette tape or this VHS tape probably four or five times in the next several years because it's always right. on. So it's so ingrained in her brain. But again, it's home viewing, but it was the thing. And now, yeah. but it was the one thing that you put a tape in and that's how you watch it. So it was special in, in its own way. And I think that there is one thing though, when it comes to something like the Harry Potter series, that though, what that did, that did do, it, it did uh, kind of like um, establish that nostalgia thing for young people. And they, it did it through reading. Mm-hmm. The fact that it went through a book, a physical book, and young people, they were influenced by a lot of it, things internet-y at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a huge thing that unfolded in front of our eyes and our culture that a book captivated all of those people to see all of those movies. And I, but I, I honestly don't know if that can ever happen again. Yeah. No, well, Twilight, right? The Twilight movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. That, I feel like that. That is 100% something I'm glad yeah. has not resurfaced as being a new project. Yes. Let it be dead. Yeah. And, and I'm going to take an opposing viewpoint. I like choice. I hated the fact that I only got this, so I had to love it. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many more choices and so many more opportunities if you know to other explore other cultures. 
I just hated that I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I had little choice. I had three channels. I had nothing. And I yearned for something new all the time. And I had to obsess over one thing because that's all I got. And now I'm finding so many more things that are my favorites now than compared to the, I actually am not nostalgic about Star Wars anymore. I've kind of lost that gleam because yeah. I'm like, there's it's so many things so much better. Yeah. Trust me, yeah, trust me, Eric, he has. He, Todd, well, Todd is this, this is a big, st- from a therapy standpoint, this is a big step for Todd to admit that he does not like Star Wars. Well, no, no, I, 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 I don't think Star Wars is good anymore. I think it's not the best written. It's not the best directed. And I think that's where I like now. I can watch the best of the best. I don't have to just watch a thing because it happens to be fantasy or genre. So mm-hmm. I'd rather have choice of good things. And maybe I don't absorb that uh, as well I used to. But that's OBK because there might be the next best thing that comes up. And like, I like this even better. So I'd rather have more than less. And that's why I like this modern time, because I can explore and, and see regions and media and things I never existed. So I, I love it. So I'm, I'm glad of it. But I totally get how other people in that realm. Yeah. And that's why we are all different. Right on. Good deal. Awesome. I like well, it. That is it for the show. It was a long one, but I think we had a good time. Hell yeah. Eric, before we go, thank you for joining and tell people how they can uh, find you. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure uh, and a uh, pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. My show is available wherever you download podcasts. Just search Eric Saint Show podcast. And I will say that I swear like an idiot. It is. Not, I, I've been very nice here. Yeah. Uh, so Todd, Todd is the one that holds up the image that we're a family program. Right? But well, no, you know, <laughs> but I mean, but where the earbuds or HR is going to call you in the office. Yeah, so, right. Uh, I also am on Twitch. Just search Eric Saint Show. Everything is all. When you search my name, E-R-I-C-Z-A-N-E, I have a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A uh, website, ericzaneshow.com. And that's it. That's the one. Awesome. Todd, Todd how about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at T Oxtra. Uh, I always tell pe- folks, uh, check out secretfriendsunite.com, our YouTube channel, and subscribe to our podcast on any service you like. Yes, indeedly, doodly. Well, you can find me over on Twitter at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My lovely wife, April, and I do run the uh, West Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club. That is the USS Grand Petoskey. You can find us on our website of the same name and socials everywhere. I also do my best to fill up our Secret Friends Unite Facebook page with content whenever I can. So that's me, friends. As always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that Sharing is caring, and keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. Get off my lawn. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.